All right. Welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team here uh, at Blackhawk Church. Welcome to those of you who are here at our Braider Way uh, site and those of you who are watching maybe on a screen at another one of our venues at Braider Way. Those of you who are downtown at the Upper House, welcome uh, to you. And those of you who are at uh, Blackhawk Fitchburg, uh, welcome to you. Those who listen on the podcast and watching online, so welcome to everyone. If you're in our Blackhawk Chinese ministry, good to have you with us uh, also. Hey, so uh, did you notice this? I've got this thing on. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. So those of you who follow me on Instagram, you know uh, kind of the story, but on August the 16th, uh, I was uh, riding uh, my bicycle, and uh, I would love to say that I was training for the Ironman or doing something athletic, but it wasn't like that at all. I was like at, at a stop. I was like going zero, and somehow I just fell off my bike. I have no idea. <laughs> I wish I was like going down a hill or in a race or something, but it was nothing like that. I just was all of a sudden, oh, I'm on the ground now. Oh my gosh. So I have no idea uh, how that took place, but uh, I did have a helmet on. So uh, if you ride a bicycle, I don't care how old you are, especially kids, make sure you wear your helmet because I hit my elbow and then my shoulder and then my head. And as soon as I hit my head, I thought, oh, that was good. I'm glad I had my helmet on, but I broke some things. So... I have a broken clavicle up here, your collarbone, so that's broken. I broke it really good. And then I broke three ribs uh, in my back, six, seven, and nine, if you're keeping score. Uh, uh, so there you go. And uh, so I'm wearing this because uh, the occupational therapist at UW Hospital gave it, gave it to me, and he said, you know, you, know you, have to, you don't really have to wear that in order to heal. The reason you wear this, it's a message to other people, don't hug me, basically. <laughs> So that's why I have it on, uh, because normally around people that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm around all the time in, in my office and at home, I don't normally uh, wear this. So I'm actually going to take it off right now, so no one rush the platform and hug me, okay? <laughs> so I'm not the friendly pastor, that's Pastor Matt. He did a message last week on friendship. <laughs> you can hug Pastor Matt, Pastor Charles, don't hug me. That's what I'm uh, basically uh, saying. Hey, welcome, uh, welcome to uh, Blackhawk Church. This is a special day at all sites and venues. We have elementary kids that are in uh, the venues uh, with us. Let's hear it for all the elementary kids that are with us. Awesome, yeah. I'm not gonna clap. There's reasons for uh, I'm not gonna clap. So good to have you with us. Also, it's Labor Day Sunday, so uh, that means uh, welcome back uh, to college students. Let's hear it for all the college students that have come back. Yeah, woo! All right. Yeah, and if you're a college student, uh, whether you go to Edgewood or UW or wherever you go, we have a thing called College Age Ministry, and it starts uh, this week on Tuesday nights, and it just goes on Tuesday nights. It meets at our downtown site at the Upper House next week, if you're a college student, right after the last service at Upper House. We're going to have a big a feeding session for you guys. So if you're a college student, just show up uh, for that. Lots and lots of food. We are so glad you're part of our ministry. We're a university community. Church, and we just love this city, and we love the fact that you're going to school and you've decided to come uh, to Blackhawk Church. Hey, we're finishing uh, our series in the book of Proverbs, and it's called A Word 
to the wise, and we hope that you read the book of Proverbs for the month of August. Here's the calendar of what we've been going through in this series. So we've been on six different weeks, and today you can see, according to our calendar, that I'm gonna talk about work or school. Basically, the, the job that I have today is to talk about like whatever it is you do. Uh, even if you're retired, uh, every retired person I know is busy all the time, or if you're between jobs, whatever it is you do, and if you're a student, if you're in third grade, if you're a graduate student, whatever it is you do, that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. As with all of the messages, uh, there's lots of things that we can't cover during the talk, so go to our blog page and then I have lots of links on our blog page to different kinds of, there's a lot of cool things about work and faith out there, and so you can just go to our blog page and look at that. As I said, this is the last in our series, A Word to the Wise. We're gonna begin a brand new series next week, and to learn more about what we're gonna do and where we're going, listen to Dr. Charles Yu. Here he is. Many of us travel abroad a few days of vacation here and there, just enough time to get on a tour bus and see all the major tourist traps. And we get an impression of that country. But it's different when we stay for a while. When we get off the tour bus and live with the local people, learn the language, learn the culture, things look different. We discover unexpected things that challenge our first impressions. Today, we live in a country where just about everybody has heard of Jesus. Americans may be less religious than they used to be, but most people have heard the name Jesus. His name is used all the time for all kinds of reasons, and everybody has different ideas about him. The problem? We think we know Jesus, yet our knowledge about Jesus can be superficial, like the impressions we get when we visit another country for a few days. This year, we are going to stay for a while in the story of Jesus. We're going to spend 23 weeks in the Gospel of Mark, 15 Sundays this fall and eight more in the spring. We're gonna live in the Gospel of Mark. We are going to learn the language, study the culture, and try to get to know Jesus. And when we slow down, Jesus looks different. Some of our old notions about him shift. Others are blown away. And when our understanding of Jesus changes, that changes our lives. I invite you to join us on September 8th when we start our new sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. Unexpected Kingdom, Unexpected King. Amen. 23 weeks in Jesus. Awesome! We have been uh, preparing and praying and getting ready for this series since May of 2018, 16 months, as we've been anticipating uh, this most of this year going through the Gospel of Mark. And so we are super excited, and it starts uh, next week. And we are going to go through the fir first, first chapter. It's going to take us a few weeks just to get through the first uh, chapter. We're going to go really slow as we introduce the Gospel of Mark. So come next week. Uh, for uh, that. But today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what do we do? What do we do? If you're a student, if you go to school, if you're retired, if we're in a profession, what is it that we do and how should we go about what we do? If we're a follower of Christ, we should approach our everyday tasks different than other 
people. Here's a proverb that says uh, basically that. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. It goes like this. Commit to the Lord. And remember, whenever we see the word Lord in all capital letters, it's the personal name for God, which is, remember that, what that is? Yahweh. So it goes like this. Commit to Yahweh whatever you do and your plans will succeed. That's a real simple verse. Let's read it uh, together. And when we get to the word Lord, say Yahweh. Reading together with me, ready? Commit to Yahweh whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Let's take that verse uh, apart, kind of uh, verse or word uh, by word. That first word, the English word uh, commit, that English word translates the Hebrew word, very common Hebrew word, and this is the Hebrew word, goel. And goel is a very common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it just simply means to roll, like rolling a stone or rolling a log or rolling uh, something. So I want to kind of illustrate what this verb is all about, and I've gotten a volunteer to come up to help me from the audience, and his name is Lucas. Why don't you welcome Lucas up to the platform right now. Here you go. All right. Lucas, good to see you right there. Stand right there on that X right there. And this is a ball, and this ball is going to represent like what I do. So I'm a pastor, so I'm going to kind of roll my pastoring over to you. I want you to be, you're going to be God. Is that okay? You're into that, right? Yeah, okay. So you're at your personal name, your personal name is Lucas, but if you were God, your personal name would be Yahweh. So I'm going to roll this to you, and that's the Hebrew word goel. There, good job, Yahweh. All right, roll it back to me. So this is my job. I'm a pastor, and my, I'm Chris. You're Yahweh. Hebrew word goel. Here it is, right there. Stop it. Good. All right. Let's hear it for Yahweh. That's good. That's the Hebrew word. Very simple concept. Goel. Goel to Yahweh. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Let's look at the verse again. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. The Hebrew for whatever you do is ma'aseh. Ma'aseh is, is a very common word in Hebrew. It means to do. It occurs like a gazillion times in the Hebrew Bible. And it basically means whatever you do. <laughs> this is the time. This is like whatever. Whatever you do. So are you, are you a second grade student? Uh, are you, are you, are you stay-at-home parent? Whatever you do, you commit that to the Lord. So the question becomes, what do you do? So this is what I'd like to do at all sites and venues. I'd like you to uh, and stand up and I'd like you to tell somebody close to you, what do you do? Don't talk to your spouse, you should actually know uh, what they do. Uh, don't talk to your own kids, you should actually know what they do. Find someone you don't know and say, what do you do? Listen to them, and then you tell them what you do. Everybody, all sides and venues, stand up, okay? Meet somebody, what do you do? Go. Okay, stop being friendly, awesome. All right, very good. All right, so here's the deal. Whatever you do, we are to like roll that to Yahweh. Whatever we do, 
That's what we're to do. We're, and then and what, is, what else does the verse say? Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Your plans will succeed. So succeed translates uh, this Hebrew word kun. And this word would probably be better translated by the word establish. The idea that the Lord will establish what he wants to establish. We see this uh, Hebrew verb uh, in uh, different kinds of Proverbs. Here's a couple of uh, Proverbs. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. Here's another one from the same chapter, Proverbs 16, verse 9. Our verse is 16.3, this is 16.9. The heart of man plans his ways, but Yahweh establishes his steps. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and the Lord will establish uh, that. So let's look at it in context in uh, chapter 16, verses 1, 2, and 3. Here's verse 1, same chapter. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from Yahweh comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by Yahweh. Commit to Yahweh whatever you do. He will establish your plans. I went slow because I wanted you to see each one of those verses has like two parts. So this is like you do this and then he knows this. So look at it again. To humans belong plans of the heart, but Yahweh comes the proper answer of the tongue. So it's what these verses are doing, and I'm not going to go too deep here. But it, they're dealing with the big tension between sovereignty and freedom, between the idea that God's in control and yet we do things too. These verses are all balancing that. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by Yahweh. Commit to the Lord, Yahweh, whatever you do, and he will establish your plan. So whatever you're going to do, commit that, roll that over to him, and if anything is going to be established, that it'll be, that's his thing. He will he will establish that. So it's not the idea that we're going to be successful. That's why I think this is a better translation than the word succeed. It's the idea that when I give it to him, whatever it is I do, of any of that that's going to ever be established, it will be his work to establish that. Because it's not, I don't have it anymore. How are you guys doing? You follow me? I don't have the ball anymore. He has the ball. He has the ball. This is exactly the kind of thing uh, that uh, Paul says in the book of Colossians, that whatever we do, we're actually, if we're a Christ follower, we're actually doing it for Yahweh. Here's Colossians chapter three. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not from people, men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's Lord Christ you're serving. Now, if you can grasp that passage in, in Proverbs 16.3, it's a, it's a sea change. It, paired, it shifts everything. 
Because that passage says you don't actually work for Epic. <laughs> you, you work for the Lord, actually. You're, you're not actually working for UW, you work for the Lord. You're not actually doing that assignment for that teacher who's asking you to do that assignment. You're actually doing that for Yahweh. That's what that passage is saying, basically. That passage is written to people who lived in a first century city called Colossae and it's specifically addressed to slaves. When we think of slaves in our world today, we think of that dreadful, horrible nightmare uh, that was racially motivated in our country and uh, just, just a blight on our country's history. However, in the New Testament, slavery was not racially uh, motivated. Basically, it was motivated by uh, power. So if you were a powerful country, like, like say, let's just say Rome, and Rome invaded, let's say if Rome invaded Wisconsin, it would turn everybody in Wisconsin into a slave. I mean, that's a generalization, but you understand. It has nothing to do with race. It's basically a power thing. So someone's more powerful than you, and then you become their slave. And slaves did the worst kind of jobs you can imagine. They, were, they did all kinds of work. A first century person could not imagine a world without slavery. It would be like us trying to imagine a world without electricity. We just can't imagine that. Slavery, slaves did everything in the empire. Most cities were made up of slaves. So if you lived in a city, most of the people are probably slaves. If you look down a street of a city, like this street right here, this is a street called in Laodicea. It's actually about 15 miles from uh, Colossae. If you go to Turkey now to find, try to find Colossae, it's just a big mound. It hasn't been excavated. But really close to there is this place called Laodicea. My wife and I went there a few years ago. You look down that street, just imagine that street is populated in the first century. And if you were looking down that street, you'd see stores on the left and on the right. And all the way down that street, you'd see all kinds of people. And you might see a cart or two. And if that cart's being pulled, what, what's probably pulling that cart? What would be pulling the cart? Somebody. Yeah, like a horse. Somebody said a slave. Yeah, slaves could be pulling it. But like a mule or a horse or something like that. Now, in our day, if you look down a street and you see like things going down the street, like cars, well, cars leave a certain kind of exhaust, like fumes and stuff like that. Now, a, a horse, what kind of exhaust do they leave behind? <laughs> you guys follow me, right? So they, I heard somebody say it. I heard it over here. They leave like poop behind. So in the first century, see, this is all fixed up for like tourists right now. But in the first century, you look down that street and it'd be poop everywhere. Poop here, poop there, poop there, poop there. Everywhere, poop, 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 poop. I'm just telling you the truth here. Now, let me ask you a question. Who do you think cleans up that poop? Slaves, absolutely. You're not going to have like a free person clean that. You're going to have a slave clean that up. Paul is saying, even if you are a pooper scooper, who do you do that job for? You're actually working for who? Yes. You're not working for your master. The person says, clean up that poop. You're actually working for Christ. You're actually working for him. No matter what we do, no matter what we do, we're actually working for him. So that brings up an interesting question. What if we don't like our job? 
See, uh, today in, uh, in our country, uh, loving your job is a, real, is a real important thing. What if you don't love your job? I will push back and say there's no place in the Bible that says you're supposed to love your job. In fact, the whole concept of loving your job is a very modern notion, actually. If you knew anything about the history of the world, the vast majority of people who've lived on this planet have not loved their job. Loving your job is a function of wealth and privilege. It's a very modern notion, you guys. Most people who've lived, they didn't have a choice. Loving your job is like, they have an option, because you can quit that and go to another place. That's, that's very, very much about wealth and privilege, you guys, loving your job. These slaves, they didn't, they didn't love their job. But Paul's not asking them to love their job. The Hebrew Bible is not assuming that you're going to love your job. What if you don't love your job? Well, most people who've lived hasn't loved their job. My dad didn't love his job. Many of our parents didn't love their job. Many of us don't love our job. My dad worked in a factory. First thing he did when he got home was took a shower because he was smelly and dirty. He had a sixth grade education. He, had to, he wasn't from wealth and privilege. He didn't have choices. This is his job. Why did he work his job? Oh, because he loved it. Hey, quit your job. Get a job you love. He didn't have that choice. He worked his job because he was a responsible person and he wanted to raise a family. And it takes money to do that. The question in the Bible is not, well, what if I don't love my job? <laughs> Most people haven't loved their job. The question in the Bible is not whether you love your job. It's do you love the Lord? That's the issue. Do you love the Lord? And if you love the Lord, then you are to commit to the Lord whatever you do. Whatever you do, commit that to him. And then he will establish your ways. The Bible doesn't focus in the book of Proverbs so much about what is it should we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? That's a very, that's like, well. It really focuses on how you're to do your job. How are we supposed to do our job? And the book of Proverbs says, I'm not to do my job like a sluggard. Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24 goes like this. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone walls was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, scarcely like an armed man. If you've read the book of Proverbs, like we ask you to in the, in the month of uh, August, you ran into the sluggard a lot. He's all over uh, the book of Proverbs. And the Proverbs has a lot to say about the sluggard. Here are some things about the sluggard. The sluggard's unreliable procrastinating nature makes them an irritation to all who do business with them. There's some Proverbs that say that. A shame to their parents. There's a proverb that says that. And a leech on the family inheritance. Sluggards should never be confused with people who are poor. Those are two different categories altogether. Bruce Welke uh, says this. 
Laziness in Proverbs is more than a character flaw, it's a moral issue, for it leads to a loss of freedom, Proverbs 12, 24. The perpetual frustration of getting nowhere, Proverbs 24, 34. And a loss of life. The sluggard is never equated with the poor, who are so by virtue of circumstances beyond their control, such as tyranny. But the sluggard is poor by virtue of his moral degeneracy. He's not worthy to be called the poor. There's a lot of verses in the Hebrew Bible about uh, the poor. There's a lot of words for the poor. Those words are never used of the sluggard. Yahweh loves people who are poor. Yahweh loves people who are suffering through injustice. But the sluggard? Yeah, not so much. From Yahweh, they get discipline from him. God does not want us to be like a sluggard. He wants us to work hard. What should the sluggard do? The sluggard should go to school. He should go to the school that's taught by the ants. Proverbs chapter 6, we read this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer, gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. So be like the ant, be self-disciplined. Doesn't have any boss telling him what to do. He's, self, he's a self-starter, he's self-disciplined. He's persistent, he's always, always uh, working. So let me start and talk about that for a little bit because I bet in our audience, we don't have as many sluggards as we have workaholics probably. In the, and I might be one of the worst ones right here preaching this message with four broken bones in front of you like right now. So here's the deal about workaholism. That can be a problem too. It's just like the opposite problem. For workaholics, we need to make sure that what we're doing is actually for the Lord and not to please others, but it's actually for him. And we're to rest. And in, the, in the, the series before this one, Pastor Craig did a whole message on Sabbath. So if we're suffering from workaholism, we gotta make sure that we rest on a regular basis. Make sure that what we're doing is we're doing it for the Yahweh. We're doing it for Christ, not for others. What does it mean that we do whatever we do for Christ? It means that it's like, you know, if you're cleaning up a street that's filled with poop, you clean that street like Christ is going to be the next person who walks on that street. If you're doing a homework assignment, you turn that assignment in like Christ is going to be the one who grades you. If you're frying a hamburger, you fry that hamburger like Jesus is going to be the person who's going to eat that hamburger. If you're cleaning toilets or you're doing whatever, you clean that like Jesus is going to be the next person who sits down on that toilet. Whatever we do, whatever we do, we commit that, we roll that over to him, and then it's his, and it's his job to establish that. Amen. So this is what I wanna to do uh, to end uh, this uh, message. I want us to uh, pray, and uh, I want us to uh, pray, but then I'm gonna have all site uh, venue pastors uh, come to the platform, and then they're gonna uh, lead uh, the different sites and venues in a kind of a commissioning of uh, all of us. So this is the prayer I'd like all of us uh, to pray. 
And uh, whatever site or venue you're at right now, this is the way I want us uh, to pray. So it's like an individual kind of a thing. So just listen to me right now. This is what I I would pray. I would say, Lord, this is what I do. And then I would name it. So I'm a pastor, if you didn't know that. So this is the prayer. Lord, this is what I do. I'm a pastor. And then you would say the same thing, except whatever you do. If you're in third grade, say that. If you're a graduate student, say that. And then... I'm rolling this over to you. That's Goel. I'm rolling it to you. You're the one that I work for. That's the prayer. You guys got it? Listen to me do it, and then we'll all do it together. Everybody ready? This is me. Lord, this is what I do. I'm a pastor. I'm rolling that over to you. You're the one I work for. This is powerful. I don't work for you guys. I work for him. Ready? Everybody do it. You say your profession or your grade or whatever you're doing at that proper moment. Ready? Here we go. Lord, this is what I do. I'm rolling that over to you. You are the one that I work for. Do you guys do? Is it okay? I feel like I'm the only one who's rolling anything. So this is what I want you to do. I want with your, when we get to that, I'm rolling that to you. I want you to like give God your job like this. Okay? Everybody do that? Empty your hands, ready? Here we go. Lord, this is what I do. What it is it? Here you go. I'm rolling that over to you. You are the one I work for. Now I'm gonna transfer it to all venue pastors and all site pastors, and they're gonna pray a prayer of commission over everybody. In just a moment, we're gonna go through a few different categories. And when you hear a category that applies to you, we're gonna invite you to stand up. And some of you might apply to a few different uh, categories. They might be similar, and that's okay. Some of you might be a little nervous about when to stand up. Please don't, just stand up. If you think there's something that sounds like you, stand up. And then stay standing, because eventually we'll continue to join one another. This is something that we get to do as a church community as we think about all the different things that each of us as individuals do. And so I'll call it a category. If it applies to you, please stand. We'll do a commissioning over you. Stay standing. And by the end, we'll all be standing. All right? So we hope that you'll join in on this. And we really thought maybe the first way to start would be to say, if you work at Epic, go ahead and stand up. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Right? I mean, like Pastor Chris's example, if we said Epic and UW stand up, it'd be half the room. So we're going to be more, more general than that. Here we go. If you work in business, including hospitality and service source jobs, from business owners to baristas, to managers, to wait staff, things like that, would you please stand? Thank you for the many needs that you meet. May you be empowered by the spirit to work justly, with integrity, accountability, and a commitment to excellence. Caregivers, for those of you who care for others, including medical professionals, social workers, counselors, stay-at-home parents, or perhaps your parents are aging and you care for them, would you please stand? Thank you for your compassion and your devotion. May your patience, discernment, and capacity to emulate God's love be evident to all 
who you are caring for. Students, if you're a student or a scholar, a teacher, researcher, would you please stand? Thank you for your pursuit of truth and of understanding. May you be willing to embrace new ideas and new skills as you grow in your wisdom and your knowledge and your love for God and the world around you. May you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Servers, for those of you who serve others through government and civil roles, those who teach, train, and coach others, or those serving in a nonprofit or ministry setting, would you please stand? Thank you for giving of yourself to better the world around you. Stay strong in faith and kindness as you lead and equip and protect and advocate for those around you, knowing that you make a difference. And for those who create, you create, you design, you maintain the world around us, the artists and the builders, the musicians, the growers, the planners, and the fixers. Would you please stand? Thank you for so often bringing order out of chaos, for bringing beauty and truth to light in ways that surprise and challenge us. May you keep fueling your creativity and your commitment and quality to the craft that you do. And then finally, for those of you who, when you've been asked what you do for a living, sometimes you answer it's complicated. Or for those of you who are between jobs, are unable to work, or are retired, or a job just doesn't quite fit into one of the categories that we've just named. Or for those of you that have jobs that are so outside the box that you're just that awesome that we didn't even know how to mention it, <laughs> would you please stand? And by now we should all be standing. Thank you for the multitude of ways that you serve. Whatever you do, do it in the name of God as you worship him. We just wanted to take this moment to all be able to stand as a community and think about what it is that we do. We wanted to think that, that well, we thought that ending this sermon on work, the best thing that we could do is commission ourselves to do whatever we do giving it all to the Lord. And commissioning is an act. It's an act of entrusting or committing a person or a group of people with power and authority. And as believers, as Christ followers, as the body of Christ, we actually are commissioned. We are commissioned to do all that we do, whatever we do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that is our prayer for each and every one of us today. So would you join me? in praying just that. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for each and every person standing here today. You've given everybody a work to do. And all work can be meaningful when done for you. So God, today we pray that we would roll our work to you as we just sit here and pause in, in this moment. Can we each in the quiet of our own minds think about what it is that we do and see it as a ball that we are holding and with open hands, can we see ourselves right now committing that to you right now in this moment and as we move forward today and tomorrow and all our days.
God, we give you all that we have. You are the one that we work for. So Father God, will you empower us through your Holy Spirit to work for you in all the things that we do. And all God's people said, amen.